This is the Horse Radio Network. Hey there, this is episode six of the Equine Clicker 101 podcast on Horse Radio Network. And we're going to be creating a solid foundation. That's our episode today. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. And they are Jeffers Pet, where you can find all sorts of fun things at great prices from a family-run company. Hey, this is Shauna Karish. And in today's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a step back. We're going to review the foundation lessons that we've talked about. We want to build that solid foundation. And a lot of times what I find is later on down the road when some piece isn't quite right, a lot of times it goes back to one of these early foundational exercises. So by getting this foundation really solid, want to make sure you've got this solid before we move into kind of what I think about as more practical application. I mean, clearly this is a practical application because this is the fundamental. This is a building blocks that have taught our horse to play the game, to love the game. We've, we've set it up where it, we have some pieces, we have communication, we have motivation, but I think it's also really important that we, but as we move on to things that we kind of think of, you know, I'm having trouble with the feet. I have the uh, trouble with my horse holding still for mounting, or he won't do a canter to part or whatever it might be. These pieces always really need to be solid and in place. So from here, after this, we're going to be moving into kind of more diverse Topic. So it won't be quite as linear as this first foundation exercises were. We'll kind of move all over the map a little bit more. But again, these parts, I think it, frankly, I think it's going to be a good idea to every now and then go back to this episode and check where are my solid, are, where are my foundation pieces? Are the fundamentals really solid? And so I think that this is a great time to, to work on that. And in addition, each of the things we've really kind of done, I've left you with homework and we haven't really gone back to visit if you have the duration, if you're having, you know, the, the criteria you want. So I think it's important to slow down and get those pieces in place. So we're going to talk a little bit about building duration with the horses as well. So one of the things though people ask all the time is where do I get this stuff? Where do I find clickers? Where do I find side buckets or targets or whatever you may wish to have? Of course, you can make some of these things and use various things. But if you're looking for a resource, you could definitely go to on-target-training.com. So if you look up Shauna Karish, you're going to find on-target training, but those hyphens are important in there. Otherwise, you're going to get to like target practice. <laughs> so go ahead and you can look me up online and that's where you can get all the things you may want. And now we're going to hear from Jeffers Pet where you can get all your other horse stuff at great prices. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers was founded in 1975 by Dr. Keith Jeffers in order to provide local livestock owners with a reliable and more cost-efficient source for their supplies. Fast forward 40 plus years and today, Jeffers has become a trusted source for equine, pet, and livestock supplies all across the United States, but they've not lost sight of the personal service that got them started all those years ago. You can still visit the Jeffers store in Dothan, or you can shop online at jefferspet.com, where you will find an astounding array of products for your equine habit, from quality tack, English and Western, 
to the supplies and healthcare products that you have come to depend on, as well as new and innovative lines to help your horse be his or her best. Visit them today at jefferspet.com. All righty, we're back. So, so far what we've done, we've done the clicker. We've, or the bridge conditioning. We've taught them a sound that is significant. I'm going to refer to it as a clicker because I find that is what most people use and what I quite like, but you can interject if you're using a whistle or something else. Then we went to targeting, teaching them to touch a handheld target, to follow a target. Then we went to leading, the liberty leading, which is an important part of helping them to make choices and learn some impulse control. Then we moved on to stationary target. And that means going to a stationary target and then holding on a stationary target. And then we went to the stand and teaching our horse to stay. I think standing quietly and relaxed is one of the most important behaviors in the world. So we're going to review where we are with each of those things. So let's start back to the clicker. Okay, so as we get to the clicker training portion, what we wanted to do, just a little review, the clicker is our most important communication tool. This is the precise scalpel of an instrument that tells the horse that little exact piece you like is the part that I want. And I think it's, it is it becomes the more they do it, the more finite they get with getting the little tiny nuance that got clicked and repeating that piece. So it's really important that they get the click. So one of the things that happens with a lot of people I find is we can get a little bit crazy with our clicks. (laughs) So instead of being click, 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 click with it, not being backed up with reinforcement, we want to be sure that we are building some duration and some criteria onto our behaviors. So if you're not, Instead of having a lot of clicks that aren't backed up with food, what I want you to do is click less often. If you need something in between to give your horse some encouragement or to make it clear that they're on the right track, oftentimes what I do is I will use my voice and I use it a lot in training anyway, but I will say, good boy, that's it. You're on the right track. And they, they get that, you know, you can use those words, which can let them know, okay, I'm, I'm doing good. She's pleased with my my performance, but it can help buy you times until they learn that I I keep going until I hear the click. So it's an important concept for them to continue on with behaviors until they hear the click. So building that up is going to come in teeny tiny increments because too much, they're just going to get frustrated and it's not going to be worth their while, but it's important that we do build the, the, extending the time and building the duration onto these behaviors. So one of the things, like I said, I see a lot of people doing is a lot of times they'll have errant clicks that aren't backed up with food. And it's really important that we keep the power of that clicker very, very strong so that it really does communicate something. It keeps holding the value as that reinforcer because we've turned it into a conditioned reinforcer simply by pairing it with a food. So we need to keep that up at a very high rate. As a behavior gets solid, and I mean really good, I've got the duration, I've got the criteria, I got right where I want it, and I almost feel like my horse is offering that behavior. Now I know that behavior has a really strong reinforcement history. Now I know that when they do this, they're thinking, ooh, it was an opportunity for reinforcement. And now when I'm at that point, I may not feed every single click I, but I will feed at least, I'd say, 75% of my clicks. So one out of four clicks might not be fed, 
but I am going to follow it up with something else that I know has been turned into a conditioned reinforcer, whether it's something they like already, which like something like tactile or scratches, but some horses hate that. So I will build that up even further. I will click, scratch, feed, click, scratch, feed, click, scratch, feed. So now what I'm starting to do is pair that scratching, you know, in there where I think they like it the best with food as well. I'm strengthening the power of that as a reinforcer. Or you may find those favorite behaviors that they're offering by this point when they're offering them, they see them as a potential for reinforcement. So sometimes I'll go into their fun, easy favorite behaviors or I, you know, so there's other things that we're going to learn that the horses like and that we can use as secondary reinforcers. So when I click and don't feed, I will follow up with something that has been well-conditioned as a reinforcer. So save that only for behaviors that are really strong and really solid and that they've already taken, we've already taken it to the place of essentially conditioned reinforcer. Okay. So that's the clicker part. And when you click, now one of the things we did when we taught the click, actually, that I want to kind of reiterate, we taught them, we taught our horses to keep their heads to themselves. And in the very beginning, particularly with an extra, extra food interested horse, I want to see their head turn away because I want to make it very clear. It is the opposite of what you think, but pretty soon what I want, I want them to keep, just stand still with their head forward to themselves. So it doesn't really need to turn all the way away once they get the, they get solid with the foundation and the idea of keeping their head to themselves. Then I want them to kind of uh, start clicking more towards the neutral position and build some time with that. So what you want to see your horse doing is being calm and relaxed. Can he stand quietly for smaller bits of time and smaller, larger bits of time as we're building it up, but can he kind of stay relaxed. You think about it. If he's always turning his head away, that's an activity. And we want to turn this from less of an activity and more of a kind of patience waiting game. So, um, so as we kind of, we've got that first part to get the, the idea of don't come eat food. Don't try to get food out of my hands or come eat me. You know, you want to get them the idea, keep your head to themselves. When they get that, we then shape it to just keep your head to yourself, stand quiet, relax with me. And we build up the time and activity next to the horse. So they get that idea. Okay. So that's the clicker portion. So if you're not quite there in those pieces, I want you to go back and work on those pieces and build that up and make that a little more solid. And, and I'm going to tell you with my horse who I've clicker trained for 25 years now, I still go back and in most every session, I'll stop at some point and just stand and relax and look for him to relax and stand with me. So I, I make sure that I'm strengthening that behavior by repeating it in most every session, sometimes once, sometimes three times, sometimes five times, sometimes I'm speaking for 20 minutes, but I make sure that that really, really, really important lesson never gets taken for granted. A lot of times what we do, we start and we get that sorted out and then we go on to doing stuff. And so then we turn the training into a doing something and that can make more you know your horse can get more and more excited about the training and thinking what should I do what should I do what should I do as opposed to I'm just going to stand here until I get you know some direction I get asked to do something so I think that part is really important if you see your horse constantly doing stuff for food that tells you the doing stuff is more relaxed, more reinforcing than the standing quietly. So that just all it simply means is we need to rebalance those scales and it's a common problem to happen folks. So if you've got yourself there, don't feel like, Oh, I just messed it all up. Nope. We've all been there. 
and that's not a big deal. Just rebalance those scale, put a lot more reinforcement on the sanding quietly so we can go up to activity, but we can come back to relaxed. Okay, so now moving on to the target. So the target, as a reminder, is a way we can create behavior. It's a way we can get our horses to do something worth clicking and reinforcing. So it helps bring clarity to the training and it helps to create good approximation towards the end goal. And so it is really, really important that the horse knows the target, likes the target, wants the target, will go to the target, will follow the target, and will do those things rather uh, quickly and likes to do it. But once we really get the target in place, here's another thing that tends to happen. We can get them so focused on the target that they're not as good about just standing quietly with their head to themselves. Or if we're even trying to walk with the target by our side, they're busy trying to pursue that target. So what we want to do is make sure that we have this balance between pursuing the target and the target doesn't mean anything unless I'm presenting it. So that the target can be in your hands, but they're not so obsessed with the target that they're not paying attention to you. So you can see why that's an important balance. We want to use this tool but we don't want to become dependent on the tool. So one of the things I always say, we want it to be a clue for our horses, not a crutch. So if we have a horse so dependent on the target that we can't do something without it, we kind of need to again go back and rebalance those scales. So the horse can, even with the target just in your hand by your side, can stop and keep his head to himself. So again, that reminder, whatever they're showing you the most means this is the strongest behavior. And this is really common that the last behavior they learned can oftentimes be their favorite because it's the one that just got the most reinforcement. So this is a, an expected thing when you teach a new behavior, all of a sudden it's going to be the behavior du jour. Yeah, they're going to be like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. I love this new thing. And that's normal. So just kind of then balance it out and say, can we do this part? Can we do this part? And, and, and create some discrimination really, because this is now where they're starting to have to learn to discern the targets there, but the targets, not everything. I should really watch the person and I'm staying, I can stand with the person, keep my head to myself, but I don't necessarily have to turn it away. So we're kind of, we're progressing and these seem like little teeny tiny things, but I tell you a lot of times when we get down the road and we have the, the trouble spots, it comes back to some of these really basic levels. That's why I say, come back and visit this now and then and check. How are we? Can we do this? Okay. So one of the things um, also, and we can use targets that are short targets. We can use targets that are long targets. I've taught lunging following a target. Cantering with the target's really hard, I'm going to confess. But the trotting isn't so hard if you have like a painter's pole with a target head on the end. So there's things, there's a lot of things you can do with a target. But always think about once you start getting them on the right track to the behavior, I start thinking to myself, how how can I fade this target? Are they ready? Can they do it without the target? You know, so that's a question you want to be asking and looking for. And, and sometimes I think, let's see if I can ask them and, and see if we can't start without it. And I go, Oh no, clearly not. And so I go back and stick with the target for a while to get past it and, or to get, you know, the repetition and get them kind of in thinking, this is what we're doing. I know what we're doing. And then there's sometimes when I can fade it pretty quick. And if I can fade it pretty quick, I would rather, I would, I would want to fade it pretty quick. So don't be afraid of using it, but also can keep in mind, we want to fade the target from just about every behavior. 
outside of stationary targeting. You know, so I don't want them to always have to go forward with a target. I want them to just think, oh, I feel this cue and I like going forward, so I will go forward, but we may have used the target in that process. So I want you to think of those things along the way. When can I fade the target? How can I fade the target? And if you if it's not really working and it's too soon, that's okay. Sometimes I go back and there's a horse who is, uh, who you know, all the horses have learned at this speed. And then I have one horse who's smart, but he needs a target for a lot longer time. That doesn't matter. Who cares? That's just his thing. And I'll use it as long as they need it. But again, I do think about it. And the other thing to keep in mind is that target also becomes so familiar and so conditioned with positive reinforcement that it becomes, it makes them feel good and it can become a bit of a security blanket. So it's a way that if I have a horse over threshold, let's say I've taken him for a walk somewhere and something startled him or he's worried, I can use a target oftentimes to say, hey, can you come back and make a choice to focus with me? And oftentimes they will. And it can bring them from that over threshold, scary place to more in controlled and more relaxed. So keep that in mind. Target clearly very important. Okay. Next up is the leading and the Liberty leading to me, boy, this is the fundamental behind everything because this to me is really really a big thing for teaching focus because now they have no lead rope they have no target they have it's just me they have to pay attention to me and my body to figure out what I'm asking them to do so I think it's really really important for teaching the focus but it's also really really big for impulse control so that horse who walks all ahead of you all the time on a lead rope and you just say, well, now we're learning to lead without the lead rope. And they go walking off. I'm like, well, I'm just over here doing my thing. I don't know where you're going. And pretty soon the horse is like, wait, where's my human? You know, and they come back and line themselves up and get back. They start to learn, oh, I want to stay here. I want to do what she's doing. And they learn to match our pace and walk really slow and walk faster. And then be able to move up to a trot, to a stop, to a to varying all those gates in there and, and go right-hand turns and right-hand turns and left-hand turns. So a lot of times what I find is the Liberty leading really helps them to practice that impulse control. As excited and they may be, they have to bring it back. It's all up to them. There's They can do whatever they want. But I want to see them choose and go, but I want, I want to do this. So I think that part is really important. And a lot of times when I'm even leading a horse, let's say we've taught the horse, I have a horse who's a problem leader, let's say he, he goes ahead. He's always way ahead of me. And then he's curling in front of me and cutting me off. And, you know, just all of that, that we've all seen a thousand times. And so I decide, okay, I'm going to teach this horse. I'm really going to horse. I'm really going to work on the Liberty leading and I get him Liberty leading very nicely. And then I go put the halter and lead rope to take him back out to the paddock. And all of a sudden he's back to, woo, I'm a wild horse again. <laughs> so I stop and I wait for them to stop and turn their head away. And if I take one more step and I wait for them to stop and keep them heads, their heads to themselves a lot of times at this point. But when they get excited, sometimes they might be back to being too much. It might be you have to go back to turning your head away because the adrenaline's up and they're over their excitement threshold and they're just too much horse. And I have to go, okay, we're going to take it back to these really basic pieces. And then till pretty soon they're like, going, oh, slow down and walk with you. So I don't pull on the lead rope. The lead rope just happens to be there more for safety's sake than anything. But I will kind of say, well, I'm here. 
and and they will oftentimes be able to get themselves back there. If they can't, that means I go back to uh you know working liberty leading at liberty. <laughs> anyway, so I think the liberty leading is a very valuable piece for teaching that focus and that impulse control. And, you know, some of those horses have been more shut down horses that aren't going horses. They're also going to kind of get corrected in that, learn how to correct their, their motivation in that process. Because while the one horse walks off and the human's not there anymore, and then they're like, wait, I want to be with my human. The other one, the human carries on. They start thinking, Ooh, I got to catch up to my human. So with the horse, that's too goey. I'm going to click. I'm going to bridge on the stopping and the slowing, because I want them to think stop and slow, stop and slow, because that's where I want their mind to start shifting to finding that more reinforcing than the going that slow pokey. I don't go horse. I'm going to click on the going because what I want is that horse to think, Ooh, step it up, catch up activity, try commit. So whatever part we're clicking is what we're going to see more of, but it's going to help shape out that behavior. And one of the things I'll tell you, when I start working with a horse, one of the first things I think of, I think what does this horse need to become successful in his human centric world? You know, cause that's where they live. So, you know, that horse that's kind of disengaged, I think you need to kind of be able to come with us boldly and, and, and maybe with confidence that maybe you don't have right yet. But, so that I I'll feel that. And I want that horse to kind of be bolder and more confident. Some horses are plenty bold and plenty confident. And what I think is that I need you to calm down, slow down, relax. And so I, I start shifting those things. Now it's a process that goes along, but it really gets started in this foundation stage and working on these fundamentals. So keep that in mind. You're going to kind of feel like, oh, you do need more go. So that's what you're going to focus on. There's going to get to a point. You're going to get plenty of go and you're going to work more on your hose. So you're going to balance out every behavior with the other side. So as you get a horse that now finally is going, going, going pretty soon, you're going to be like, I have to work on my hoe today. And that's just going to be a natural thing. So sometimes as you think about those parts, as you start to see it sharpen, I still keep a, a an emphasis on the weaker part, but I realize, but I don't want to lose this, that you have a nice hoe or you have a nice go or whatever it might be. Anyway, so that's Liberty leading. And that's another one. Really practice that all the time. Okay, on to the stationary target. The stationary target for me is a, a great tool. And as a reminder for those, just if you need a reminder, the stationary target is a target that stays in one place and we send them to that target. This is the one behavior we never fade the target out of because it's called stationary targeting. I mean, the target is part of the behavior. So I find this as a great behavior for all sorts of things. Um, but a lot of times it's for husbandry behaviors or, or going into their stall and teaching them to hold for, as you put on blankets or put food in their buckets or, you know, to get an injection or whatever it might be. But you know what I use it for a lot? If I have a horse who has a stationary target mounted on their fence in their paddock or their, or their field or their, their stall, a lot of times when I come up, I'll ask them to target and, and go in them going to that target. It kind of is a way I'm saying, are you ready to work? And it tells me a lot about the mood they're in. If they kind of go like regular, I kind of think, okay, we have our bright horse who's ready to go. If it takes a while and they stand a little standoffish, I'm going to kind of wonder what's up. I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to that part. And maybe I don't even 
Maybe I stand there and work that a little bit in that environment till I figure out what's up. Or if they're too eager and they're like, target, 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 target. I'm like, okay, I need a little bit of slowdown. So it kind of gives me a read of their mood at that particular time. So it is uh, something that I quite like. And it is also really good as for impulse control, because now like the stand, which we're going to talk about next, it's something that's going to require them to slow down and stay put and focus on you. And it's an excellent place to build duration because it's, it's tricky. But when you get that duration, what I find is a lot of times in this situation, when they start to get the duration, they start getting the idea. Oh, I hold the behavior until I hear the click. And I think that that's really important. It becomes kind of a concept after a while. They get it. I carry on until I hear that click because the click is basically, or the bridge signal. It's what we call a terminal bridge signal. It ends the behavior. It tells them what you've just done is correct. Now check in with me for some sort of reward. If I want to go on to another behavior, I will give them another well-established cue. But mostly when they come back to me, I'm going to give them some sort of reward period, whether it is a well-established cue, but three out of four times with a well-established behavior, I'm going to give them food. So it is, uh, this building duration with the target kind of begins to be the beginning of them getting this bigger idea of holding the behavior until they hear the click. So, and sending them from further and further away, I think is great. And a lot of times this becomes a great exercise behavior because you can send them to a target that's across the field and then they usually come trotting back, you know, and it's a way that you can kind of build in some free movement in there with, and getting some exercise, but it's kind of in their time. So the stationary target, I think is quite good for building up that, uh, that duration. And finally, moving on to stand. I don't think there's anybody in the world that could not figure out why stand is important because <laughs> it is something we need and want from our horses quite a bit. And for some horses, this is quite easy, but there's a lot of horses standing is a huge challenge. So getting them to kind of stand there and relax is, is really, really important. And, and I'm going to say standing is one thing. Standing relaxed is another. They can stay put and be like in this manic tense state but I want them to be able to actually just kind of stand and be relaxed and be like, I'm here. I'm good. This is just what I'm doing for now. So building up the positive reinforcement with that really gives them motivation to stand there. And the clicker helps give them the clarity as we build that duration that, okay, I'm doing the right thing. And it is really clearly an important behavior, both mentally, because it is kind of slowing them down and focusing and impulse control, but also physically, obviously we need them to be able to stand still for mounting or stand still if we have to go get something or stand still if we're driving and, and they, that's, you know, a challenge and, or whatever it might be. So it's clearly a very important behavior and one I, that building the duration on and increasing the activity is a really important part of it. So now, as most of you are familiar with by now, we're going to head out to the barn or the field or the paddock or wherever your horse is. So what we're going to do, like I said, we're going to review these things in real time with your horse. So what you're going to do is you're going to turn off your podcast in just a moment. I want you to get out to the barn and get your horse ready, get your tools together, get your target, get your clicker, get you the food, plenty of food, make sure your horse is in a safe place. And then we're going to we're going to begin our exercise. So when you're ready, go ahead and turn this off and then turn it back on when you're all set and ready to continue on. 
Alrighty, so hopefully you have your tools, you're all set and we're good to go. So the, what we're gonna do is review the clicker or the bridge signal, whichever your bridge signal is. So, and remember bridge and click are the same thing. So the bridge signal bridging the time lapse between the moment from which they do something right, the moment which we reinforce them. So we're gonna go back to the very basic exercise. I mean, this is the first thing that we did. And this is a thing I oftentimes start my sessions. I will either ask them to go to their stationary target. And then a lot of times when I come in, I will start especially with the more excited horse. I will just start and I will stand beside them and say, and what do we do? And I look for them to relax and keep their heads to themselves. So like with my Murray, who is, could be too much horse on a lot of days, I go in and go, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for this quiet stuff. So he learns to bring himself back down. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to go in with your horse and see if he can't stand quietly with his head to himself and and see you know kind of get a sense without pushing it too far how long can i stand quietly can i stand for five seconds with his head to himself without him kind of looking back and second guessing what he's doing and then when you do click be sure to put a bit a little little bit of time between the click and reaching for the food because if we click and reach for the food immediately it could be that they're thinking about the reaching for the food and not the click so when you click does your horse flick an ear and think, oh, oh, that's that sound. So I want to be sure that he is recognizing that that sound indicated that something's about to happen. So I think those are kind of the two most important things to, to look for. And then maybe thirdly, that he kind of can go back and put his head back to himself. And this process can go on a little bit. So let's go ahead and get ready with your horse. And I want you to try those things. So make little mental notes and think to yourself, how's it going? How long is it going? So go ahead and you're going to start with this and start with your horse and give a little review. Okay, so how did that go? Did your horse keep his head away? Could he stand there kind of relax or did he start to get kind of excited and like, oh, it's too long? Or did he, when you click, did he not respond to the click? Maybe he was responding more to your hand reaching for the food bucket. If, if any of those places, and then did he go back to that neutral position of thinking after I fed, I'm going to go back and wait here. So it becomes kind of his default behavior. So if... If any of those pieces weren't really in place, maybe he couldn't really sit there for too long. It doesn't have to be really long. You know, you can depend depend on what is going to be realistic in your world. My world is sometimes I'm teaching clinics with my horses and I want them to do it a long time. But then there's other horses I'm like, you know, five, 10 seconds is good enough. So double check those things. If he couldn't hold, keep his head to himself without kind of staying relaxed, then work on that relaxation a little bit. And, and or if any of those pieces wasn't very good, if he wasn't so good about responding to the click or going back and assuming that position in a relaxed manner. If any of those weren't so good, I want you to go back to lesson one. I want you to go back to the first episode, review that, think about it, try it again. And remember, this isn't a step back. This is just building that, that foundation to make it stronger and stronger and stronger. We can keep moving forward and get kind of a little messier as we go, but if we keep these pieces right, it'll it'll just be better in the long run because when in doubt you can go and what do we do we stop and relax and it can go back to some of that basic impulse control so if you're kind of not so good on those parts yet go back review lesson one and 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 work on those things okay 
Next up, we're going to deal with the Liberty Leading. Now, Liberty Leading is is lesson two. This is where we went with the the second lesson, and this is really really important. And and it it was a t- place that we started taking the clicker conditioning, the bridge conditioning, into a little bit more activity, but still hadn't introduced the target. At this point, we still have the it is it's just me and you've got to figure out when does the click happen and when when is the horse responding so what i want you to do as we go into the liberty leading um there's some kind of the different components one can are they matching and staying with you so there is the walking will your horse walk with you can your horse slow down with you it doesn't always mean necessarily stop but can as you kind of walk fast Can they walk fast and then can they walk slow? Can they adapt from faster to slower to stop? So those are kind of the the things we're gonna be looking for is that adjustment in the speeds. So if you feel like sometimes too, there's certain horses, my horse is great, he's great, he's great, he's great. This isn't a good day, he's too much today. And then I know I have to go back to some of the earliest parts of the Liberty Leading. Start slow, one step, turn your head away, one step, and then build a little bit more excited because they while they knew it this isn't a good day for that (laughs) you know and i could tell that we'll get there but i need to kind of help set them up for success so i want you to test the speeds can you have that adjustability in the speeds and the other thing i want you to really work for and, and adjustability in the speed to even stopping and then the biggest swing in there is going to be if you can trot and then hoe now that's a big thing and that takes a bit to get but it's a really good exercise and i'm going to tell you a lot of times when you go to that trotting to hoe a lot of times you get a lovely square halt with a horse sitting on his haunches a bit and that's great because now we're ready to move off of our hind end and get a little bit more forward so those kind of are the first parts the other part i want you to work on is can you make a right hand turn because a lot of times when we're leading this is really everybody does this we tend to lead with the horse on the outside their stride is big ours is smaller it's easier for all of us to walk with the horse on the outside it's like a constant left hand turn so they get really good at left hand turns and right hand turns are harder for them and it's a challenge it means they have to slow down and pay attention to our feet and anticipate that we might go that way and i want to go that way because i have a strong reinforcement history so that's the other part i want to see if you can do so go out liberty lead with your horse click click at appropriate points you know if you have a horse who's too much today click the quieting and slowly build to more but click on the parts that seem appropriate are the parts that are going to help balance out your horse remember if you have a horse that's goey 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 you're going to focus a little more on those downward transitions. horse that's slow a little bit more on the upward transitions but whatever it is your horse needs today that's the horse we have in front of us and that's the horse we're going to work So go out and try your adjustability and your right-hand turns, and let's see how that goes. Well, how did that go? That tells you a lot about about how your horse is in that day. You know, it just, to me, that is such a revealing exercise. So was your horse adjustable? Did he have too much horse? Did you kind of have a horse who kept trotting on ahead or as soon as you walked up, he was too much and then he couldn't adjust back and he went to cutting you off again and going to the left in front of you? Or 
uh, the other thing is when you wanted to go to the right, did you have to slow way down to show him here I come to the right? Or did he get it? Was he on the ball, on paying attention on his game and looking for you to turn to the right? If any of those parts weren't so good or could need a little brushing up, go back to episode two. And that's where we have the second lesson, which is liberty leading and can remind you of some of those pieces. So you can strengthen that, that behavior because again, it is a good foundational behavior. Alrighty. Next up, the infamous target. Targeting, targeting, targeting. Okay, so we love the target. Target is all important, but it's not really all important. We're actually our relationship with our horse is all important. So we want don't want the target to overshadow that. So that's kind of gonna be the biggest question in here. So will your horse follow the target? Will your horse touch the target, first of all? Will he touch it low? Will he touch it off to the side? Will he touch it above his head? Not not above his head directly, but like higher than his eyes, you know, out in front of him. Will he confidently go to those things without hesitation? And then the other thing we want to check is will he follow the target? Does your horse kind of get tense when he follows the target? Or does he follow it with lag time? Or is he trying to bite it when he follows it? Let's check those things. We should have a horse calmly relaxed following the target. And then the other thing is can you walk with that target in your hand but not being presented? And have him walk with you keeping his head to himself like a normal horse and only going to the target when it's presented because these are little key pieces. And I bet you, I bet you didn't check that part. Does he, can I use the, have the target, but not have him pursuing the target? So this might be a kind of a new component that you need a little work on. So I want you to go and start with your horse, get your target and head on in there. Turn this off for a few minutes as you go work with your horse and then come back and we'll see how you did. Okie dokie. So how did that go? I did kind of throw a little wrench in there, didn't I, with that new part that I don't think I mentioned in the third episode. But hopefully he, 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 he's gotten good at that. Or if not, it, it's kind of revealed something. And remember, nothing you do is right or wrong. It's all, or even what your horse does isn't right or wrong. It's just information. That didn't work so well for this horse in this situation. Might have worked for 10 other horses. But so it's just information. So it doesn't mean you do anything wrong. Just sometimes I go, well, I need to get this. <laughs> Obviously, I have to get this a little stronger. And sometimes it comes up at really weird times where you're like, oh, hello, vet. I guess I need to work on this. But that's okay. That's all it is, is information for us to, to kind of base where do we go from here. So did your horse follow the target wherever? Would he touch it in the different places without hesitation? That one's probably pretty good, I would imagine. But you know, maybe not. Sometimes we move off of it and then they kind of forget it. So maybe he, you do need to go back and review that. The other thing, will he follow the target without biting it or looking too sour? Now I'm gonna kind of put a little caveat in here. Some horses follow things with their ears back. Some horses walk with their ears back. Some horses, and, and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I look at more than just the ears back. So the ears might be back, but you know what? A lot of cow horses and frankly, a lot of Mustangs have their ears back a lot. And so it's just something that's part of their nature. Maybe it's part of their concentration, but I look for other things. Like if I have hard eyes and a grippy jaw and tight lips and ears back and then, or ears flat back, then I kind of think, well, maybe there's excess tension here beyond just what we're doing. So 
ears back a little bit, not really worried. Is it a little out of character or a little too intense? Then I'm going to take it and, and think I want to look for relaxation in there and a little softness in there and a little less intensity. And another thing I'm going to point out about the ears. I always say, like, if I'm doing a crossword puzzle, which I love, I can have a scrunched up face that's biting at the end of my pen, and I use pens, at the end of my pen, and and it doesn't mean I'm unhappy, I'm just simply concentrating and doing something I love to do. So it doesn't, if you took a snapshot of that though, somebody might look and think, what's wrong with her? Why is she so unhappy? And it's not. So take it in stride, look at the big picture, not just the, the immediate, uh, not just the ears alone, take in the whole horse. Okay, so if you can follow the target and and something that we've talked about that I just want to remind you about, clicking for just following the target can help them quite a bit. If they always have to touch the target, then we move the target. We may have created like somebody saying, do you want a cookie? And then as soon as we reach for it, they move them away. And we're like, stop that. I thought you said I could have a cookie. You know, so we, so by saying, oh, good enough here, I'll hand you a cookie, essentially. We can say following it's good enough. You don't always have to necessarily touch it, even though we start in the beginning with touching it. Okay, and last but not least, can you walk with that target in your hand without them just thinking it's all about the target, the target's more important than you. So that part is kind of the little wrench in the plan I didn't necessarily visit the first time out. So that one might need a little bit of work, but perhaps not. So again, if you have any problem with any pieces of those, I want you to go back to episode three and lesson three and work on your targeting. Okay, next up is the stationary target. Now the stationary target, there's two components to the stationary target that uh, there's two criterias I kind of work for. And I don't necessarily pick one in front of the other. I kind of depends on the horse or maybe my goals or maybe I work a little of this and a little of that. And I know it's easier when I give people recipes, but there just isn't one. Sometimes I just feel like doing duration first. And sometimes I work on a little distance. I think I probably more often than not tend to work on a little distance first. So they get the idea to go and pick out their stationary target, whatever you've chosen it to be. So I will work till I can get them to go from further and further distances where they can see it, they can identify it. They are happy to go to it, to, to go further and further. Now, so, so that's going to be something that you're gradually going to build up just a little bit more distance and a little bit more distance. The other thing I work, and sometimes I mix it right in, is the duration at holding the target. And this is a part that can be kind of puzzling for a lot of people. They're not sure how to break through that immediate thing. Well, what I do is when it's time to work on duration, just as a reminder, I get right up to that target. I am right next to that target. So I am right next to it and I touch it and I point it out and as they hold on it and they may break for a second after they think I touched it that's all I do they look at me but I'm right there and I can point them right back to it and as soon as they go back to it I click and reinforce the reason I'm right up next to them is because no feet moved you know it's easy for them to get back on track with this behavior if, they, if they're far away and I have to resend them, that makes it a lot more complicated but being right there it's easy for them to, to go oh get back on my target and so I just keep pointing it out and sometimes hat pointing with my finger is a little bit confusing so sometimes I point but take it right away and I'll tap the target and take it right away some horses it helps if you keep the point there your finger there but I think more often than not it just makes them think what about your hand so getting so when it's time to get back up to building that duration I get right up next to that target and look for 
tiny, teeny, tiny increments. So remember, it's like a, it's like a pregnant pause more. You know, it's like Target. Oh, that was longer than normal. It's going to just going to be the slightest hesitation and that will build up to being more. Those first few seconds are harder because it's a concept they're getting. But once they get the concept, they tend to kind of go in bigger chunks because they get the idea. I hold here until I hear the click. So a lot of times I keep in the very beginning, keep all my activity very slow, very quiet, very still. And then as they get the idea to hold a little bit, I kind of increase my activity and my distance and and get them to ignore my activity as we go. Okay, so that was kind of a little lesson in addition to it, but what I just want you to go out and find out how long can your horse hold on that target and how far away will he go on that target? So let's uh, have you go out and try that and see what, see what we get with our horses. Okay, talk to you in a second. Okay, so how did that go for you? I think that probably gave you a lot of information in that that exercise. And what I find is this is one that a lot of times people don't take really necessarily to the next step or that maybe they've given up on the duration. So I'm going to imagine that you might want to go back to episode four and maybe work that out a little bit. I think it's a great behavior and it is quite useful in more situations than you think. But anyway, so if you had a little issue with the duration or a little bit of issue with the distance, I would continue to work on those things. Go back to episode four, lesson four, and, and give that a little bit of a review and, and maybe work on that a bit. Okay, and finally, the stand. Staying, and, and, and I'm going to say, the stand and stationary target aren't so far apart because they're kind of similar ideas, similar concepts. But this is kind of taking it to be able to do it anytime, any place, anywhere from just a hand signal without something that's that's right in front of them. There is a point that the stationary target helps them because they can see it. And I think that visual is very powerful when we have things like a veterinary procedure that maybe they're a little, I'm not so sure about. I think visually seeing the target can be quite comforting for them. So I might go back to that. But there's a number of situations where I'm just like, wait, we're out on the trail and I got to pee. <laughs> Sorry, but you know, whatever it might be. And I need you to wait here for a second while we do whatever I need to do. So the stand is quite important. And like I said, very similar. So what we want to test with a stand is one, can your horse stand? Does he understand the cue and will he stay there? And, and hopefully we have a lot of times I was talking about using my hands as part of the cue. Can we fade that out? Are they getting it and holding it there? So is the cue where you want it to be? Okay, that's a, one of the first things I want you to think about. Other thing is how far can you go? So will he stand and really just, and I don't care about the head personally. Their heads can move around. I just want their feet to stay put. So they get the idea, I'm just here. I want it to be kind of relaxed. So being sure that you can kind of move away a little bit with them standing relaxed and confident. And finally, the third part I wanna check is can you increase that activity? Can you kind of flap your arms a little bit and maybe you know trot in place a little bit and move it up until you can do lots of activity and that they get the idea that I just stand here. I don't care what's going on around me, it doesn't really matter, that's not my concern, I'm just standing quietly. So let's see kind of how your horse does with that. And I know that's our most recent lesson, so let's see how you do. 
Okay, so how did that go for you? Is your horse still standing? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so first of all, did he get the cue? Did he, when you said it, was there quick recognition of what to do or did you have to kind of go back and remind him? If you kind of felt like I had to go back and go, let's remind you this exercise that we're doing, then we still need some work on that. We need to get that a little stronger so it can happen anytime, anyplace. The other part is, can you move away and will he stay relaxed and confident while, while you move away? And that, again, that's another thing that's just going to give you some more information. Maybe it's not as strong as you want. And then finally, movement. Can we do, uh, can you ramp up the movement and have him still be relaxed and not worried about what you're doing so much? And, and you can walk all around and do your thing and he's really pretty good with it. So if any of those things isn't quite strong enough yet or, you know, has some room to improve, which a lot of times we always do. I would definitely go back to, to the lesson five, which is the stand, and that is uh, on episode five. So that's what I would recommend to work on those things. So what I want you to do is when you're ready, when you, you may want to practice this a time or two, but keep it short. When you're ready, you step out and you can put your horse away if you've taken them out or just give the jackpot in the stall if that's where they are so get your horse to a safe place turn off your podcast and come back in a minute we'll have a little review and a little homework okay so your homework for this time is what I would like you to do is oftentimes people think, can I only work on one behavior at a time? Like, can I, should I mix them up? Can I only work on one? Will it confuse them? What, what should I do? We want to be able to shift gears and have our horse be able to go. I can go from a stay to a leading to a target to standing with my head to myself to the stationary target to the, we want to be able to mix these things up and have them be able to happen any place and anywhere. So you may have practiced these exercises in one place, but I want you to try practicing them in other places. And then I also want you to mix it up and, and do like all of these things in one session. One little thing that I think will help. And I think this is uh, an important part of it is sometimes when I'm doing one part, and I reinforce them for that. I give them kind of a mini magnitude reinforcement or jackpot and say, that was great. Here's a lot. And then I move a little bit away. And then I start my next exercise in the same arena, you know, in the same place that I am or the same field or whatever it is. But I'll just move to a little different place. So I'm kind of shifting gears just a little bit. And so just and that sometimes kind of clears their head for a second. So if they got stuck in. I'm on a stand and then you want to send it to a stationary target. And they're like, stand, stand, stand. Just even moving their feet a little bit and saying, okay, let's walk over here and stop again can help kind of clear their head for opening to now what's next. But it's really important. It's a tool that I think is really important is to get the horses to learn to pay attention and that we can shift gears and that it is you, it helps them to focus. And also a lot of times there's horses that can get really bored. So, Mixing it up has them going, oh, I don't know what's coming next. There's a certain place where the repetition is really helpful for a horse. A lot of times a shutdown horse who's like, I don't like not knowing the answer because I might get corrected and I don't want it. Or there's horses that get frustrated if they don't know the answer. So 
this is good for them because then they it, they do know the answer, but they have to slow down and think through it. The repetition can help them know the answer, but now you may have to take steps back in the early part of when you're shifting gears to go, okay, let's remind you how we got to this. We're going to start with the target a little closer and then we'll build up to doing it. So keep practicing these things for the next couple of weeks and really try to get some uh, where you can do it different places. Remember, that's called context shift. And you may find that when you go to new places, be ready for going back to help them from the beginning places from it. Because that context shift, they can lose criteria. No big deal. Just happens. And then doing different places and putting them all together. So that's your exercise. And we're it's building all those foundational pieces. But I tell you, this is so much more than it seems like on the surface. On the surface, it just seems like these behaviors. But what we're really doing is creating the problem solver, the, the happy horse who loves learning and loves playing the game. So then when we bring things that are more challenging, they're already thinking, I love this game. I love solving problems. So as we bring something new, like sometimes some under saddle things can be, you know, a shoulder in or something that might be a little more complicated, a little bit more nuancy. We, they can go, it's something in here and we have them engaged mentally and playing the game and we can pinpoint those parts. So these little putting this all together is really trying to turn this horse into a horse who loves the game and solidifying the game in a positive way and minimizing frustration. You know, we're taking familiar pieces and putting them all together. Okay. That's what we got. And remember you can uh, listen on most of your favorite podcast players. You can listen on the Horse Radio Network app on iOS or Android and just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free. It's super easy to use. We all know that apps are easier than going online, frankly. And be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Okay, until next time, enjoy getting your horse on target. <laughs>